Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk, and I'll be your moderator for today's show. I'm joined, as always, by our co-authors, Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage, our experts on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference in your organization. Today's show is going to focus on chapters 67 and 68 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. Those chapters are entitled, Over-Communicate During a Management Transition, and chapter 68 is Prepare for an Unknown Future. So I'm really excited about today's episode. These are really challenging and interesting topics to me. And uh, for me, being a communicator, communication is really the key and how we go about it. So um, as we kick this off, I think when we talk about over-communicating during a management transition, uh, it's one of the the pinnacle things that we need to talk about. And so when Larry, when we talk about that communication piece, when you're going through a time of transition, what comes to mind for you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is to realize that a management transition is a specific instance of leading people through change. And so when there is a management transition, we have to recognize that People are going to be concerned, they're going to be stressed, and many people are going to have certain fears for a variety of reasons. And so you, when you're communicating with people, you have to understand the state of mind of the people with whom you're communicating. So during a, a management transition, which is our situation here that we're talking about, uh, you've got to understand people are feeling that way and communicate with them appropriately. And, and appropriately, in this case, is to emphasize listening. You have to make it safe for people to express their concerns, to express their fears about the situation, because if you don't allow them to express those things in your presence... Uh, in in public, what's going to happen is they'll express them, but they'll only do it in the bar after work when they're with their coworkers, and you can't be there to give your input onto the situation and to help people have hope and to help people understand that as as much fear as there might be and as much uh, disaster as people may be anticipating, it's also very likely that things can get better because when there is a change, when there is a transition, there are, are all kinds of opportunities uh, for things to get better. So the first thing you have to do is make sure you're listening to understand how people are feeling, to understand what they're thinking, and to give you an opportunity to respond to those thoughts and feelings in a helpful way. Kim Turnage, what are your thoughts on this? Well, and I think that's why we have that focus on over-communicating because a lot of times leaders forget that, you know, they've been thinking about something for a really long time. They've turned it over with a leadership team. It's been through all kinds of analysis, and they've reached what they think is the best decision. And so from their perspective, as you said, from their perspective, this is a done deal. They understand it all. But the people that they're communicating it to are hearing it for the very first time. And so recognizing that that's their perspective 
helps you understand that saying it once and expecting it to be done is nearly impossible. And you're going to have to continue to communicate that. It's going to take multiple rounds. You need to give an opportunity for people to express how they're feeling, take some time to reflect on that and respond to those things, and keep that dialogue going. And remember that communication requires two parties. It's not just what you're putting out there. It's listening to what people are reflecting back to you. And with respect to what you're putting out there, don't sugarcoat things. Don't represent things that, in a way that uh, is, is not authentic and is not realistic. I, I, I'm thinking of a couple of different uh, transitions I was uh, uh, participated in during my career. One of them was quite a long time ago with Hyatt Hotels, dating back uh, to the first time that Hyatt decided to ask employees to contribute to their health care premiums. And we all take it for granted these days that we contribute. But there was a time when many companies didn't ask employees to contribute. So this was a major transition going on in Hyatt. And I was one of many people that was asked to do a tour of several hotels and present this to the employee population. And we got guidelines uh, to try and discuss this with people. And, and the guidelines, frankly, I didn't think were very good in the sense that they were, they were uh, the guidelines would have us uh, paint this as something rosy and something good. And, and here we were telling people they were going to have to have payroll deductions that they didn't have before. And I just threw them away. And I just said to people, you know what? I get it. You're, you're going to take home less money. There's no, there's no way around that. You just have to be honest with people. And, and frankly, it works. I'm thinking of another, another situation where I was asked to uh, do a motivational speech at a major South Florida golf resort and major hotels, world famous. And, and this hotel was so successful that prior to my speech for 20 years, they, unlike almost all hotels in Florida, they did not have uh, a slow season during the summer. Even during the summer, they were busy. And unlike other hotels, they had never had to lay any employees off during the summer. Uh, And as it happened, uh, that changed. And the year before I was asked to come and make this speech, they had had to lay people off for the first time in their history. And it was very painful for everyone involved. And so they brought me down uh, about a year after that to give people a motivational speech. And I met with the executives uh, the night before the speech to understand what the situation was in the, in the hotel and what they wanted me to emphasize. And, and I said to them, are you going to do layoffs again this year? And they said, yes. And I said, uh, have you told people? And they said, well, no. Because if we tell them, they'll run out and find new jobs right away. And we need them to work a couple of months until we get to a point where we're going to do the layoff. So we're not telling them. And eh, we had the rest of our discussion. And uh, one of the things they didn't anticipate is once I'm on stage live, I can say anything I want. And so I started off my motivational speech. You're going to love this. I started off my motivational speech by announcing to the entire employee population that there were going to be layoffs again uh, this year. Uh, 
Now, that is one heck of a way to start a motivational speech, I can tell you. And the rest of my speech, the theme of my speech is, what are we going to do so that we don't have to do this anymore? Uh, and let's eliminate these layoffs. And that was the that was the theme of the rest of the motivational speech. But I started out with that. And when I was done with my speech, numerous people came up to chat with me. And there was only one thing. This is hard to believe, but they all wanted to talk about only one thing. And they said, thank you for telling us the truth that we were going to have layoffs. I don't think they remembered anything else I said. Uh, they said, we, we knew that, but nobody would tell us. And thank you for telling us the truth. That's what happens when you're going through a management transition or any change. You over-communicate and you tell people the unvarnished truth. And part of that truth is that they might be focusing on the possible downside of the management transition or whatever the change might be. Part of the, part of the truth is there's a possible upside that they may not even be thinking about. Uh, and, and I can tell you another story about that as we go on, but I want to I want to toss this back over to Kim Turnage to see what's coming up for you right at the moment, Kim. Well, the thing that's coming up for me is, you know, what gets people the most anxious is not knowing. Um, people can deal with what they know, but what is out there and everybody has a feeling or everybody's speculating and there's lots of things going on that people are talking about and they have no confirmation one way or the other, that really makes things worse. So your point is a really good one, Larry, that you need to tell people that unvarnished truth because it puts them in a position to deal with reality instead of dealing with the things that they're most afraid of that may be the furthest from the truth. Yes, and that's where rumors start. If the truth isn't put out there, then people are left to speculate and rumors will sweep the organization and put uh, put you as a manager, I'm talking to our listeners, put you as our manager in a position where you're being reactive and and you're saying, well, no, that's not true, et cetera, et cetera. Just get out ahead of it. And, and again, do a lot of listening. Because once you've done the listening, then you'll know what you need to respond to. You know, one one tell, the, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, one of the things that comes to mind for me, being a journalist and always asking questions, it's just in my nature, is when you are able to over-communicate and communicate in different ways, you give people the opportunity to ask the questions that then allow you to be completely transparent with any kind of um, thought processes that have happened prior to them actually getting the news. Yeah, and that over the course of my career, that's one of the things that's always given me a lot of satisfaction is when people ask the hard questions and instead of getting defensive and instead of tap dancing and instead of avoiding the question, you just give people a straight and clear answer, even if it's not the one they would prefer to hear and even if it doesn't reflect well, in this case, on me when I'm giving the answer. You want people to have the facts. You want them to have the truth. And that's always given me a great deal of satisfaction because when you get the tough question, people expect you to dance. They expect you to avoid. They expect you to deflect. And when you don't do that, 
they gain a lot of respect for you. Well, and as a leader, you have to remember that people process at different rates. And so some people are going to have questions right away, and some people are really going to need to reflect on this and think about it and analyze it before they're ready to ask questions. And again, that's why from the leader's perspective, it might feel like you're communicating about this forever and over and over and over again. But what you're doing is you're meeting people where they are and helping them through what they need help with. I see that we're coming up on a break here. Kim uh, Shirk, you want to lead us out? Absolutely. It's a great conversation that we're having here on Chapter 67 and 68 of Managing to Make a Difference, but we'll take a quick break. A reminder that if you do want to purchase copies for your entire company and want them personally branded, you can visit 800ceoread.com and they'll take care of that for your next event. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Managing to Make a Difference. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. Um, We're excited that you're joining us this afternoon, and we wanted to share 
with you the opportunity to go to our website, managetomakeadifference.com, and there you'll find additional resources. A lot of the podcasts that we refer to, we refer to activities or different theories that we think about, and we have a lot of other materials that can help you out there. So visit managetomakeadifference.com. You can also find a place to order your books right there as well. So today we're talking about chapters 67 and 68 of Managing to Make a Difference, entitled Over-Communicate During a Management Transition, and then into chapter 68, Prepare for an Unknown Future. But we've had a great conversation so far about the difference between really instilling some fear if people have not been communicated well about any kind of change versus giving them hope and allowing them to help you see the opportunity that lies before them with whatever change it is. And so we've had that great discussion in the first segment here, and we want to continue that discussion. Larry, I know you wanted to share a story about a new general manager. Yeah. Uh, I was a human resources director in a particular hotel So I was on the executive team reporting directly to the general manager. And this particular general manager was a really terrific individual, a quality person. He was a very nice individual. He really knew the hotel business and he he taught us a lot. And he was a person of good character. He had integrity. He was honest. I mean, we really, really, all of us who reported to him loved working for him. And it came a point where he moved on in his career. And we were in this space where we were very concerned about who our next boss was going to be. And it was very clear that none of us were going to be promoted. So we, we, we knew clearly that it wasn't going to be one of us. We were going to get somebody in from the outside. And we were absolutely certain that there's, given how much we enjoyed working for this other general manager for the right reasons, we could not imagine getting a new boss that we would like to work for as much as we like to work for the guy who was leaving. And I got to tell you, we were really concerned. And so was everybody else uh, who worked in the hotel. Well, we got the new boss at, at a certain point in time. He was a short German guy named Horst Schulze, who went on to become uh one of the most celebrated hoteliers uh, in the world today. But at this point in time, he he just was appointed to be the general manager of this hotel. And he came in, and lo and behold, he taught us more. He raised the standards in the hotel. The hotel was performing better for guests. It was performing better financially. It was performing better on every front you, you could name And and the moral of this story is when there is a management transition, even though people can't imagine how the next person might be better, it still is the case that they might be. And this is an illustration of the fact that people tend to focus on their fears. They tend to catastrophize uh, when, when these kinds of changes are being made. And in fact, it's equally possible that the next person who comes in is going to be terrific. So as a, as a leader, as a manager, you need to point out this fact to people and you need to sometimes point it out to yourself because it could be a lot better. You don't know at this point in time. 
And I think there are a lot of different transitions that people think about when they think about, you know, management transitions in organization. You know, there are the layoffs that we've addressed all right. Now, you know, a new hire or a new boss, it could be the new direction of the company. Maybe they had been focused on one area and they've decided to switch lanes a little bit and really go after something that seems hot in the market. Or maybe they're reorganizing the entire organization. Maybe they're rebranding. There are a lot of different transitions. And one of the things I think you both have keyed in on is just that opportunity to listen. So Kim Turnage, when you when you think about the opportunities for managers to really listen to their teams, what what comes to mind for you? A couple things. Uh, one I've already kind of talked about, which is that listening isn't going to be a one-time event. It's going to be an ongoing effort. And the other is that um, it's it's possible that some people are just proactively going to come to you and start talking to you about how they feel or what they're thinking. But you may need to initiate those conversations. You may need to come to them and sit down and say, hey, I know, you know, this is new, this is going on. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me, tell me what you're afraid of. Tell me what you're excited about. Let's just talk about this. And really open that door um, so that people feel that they can talk with you. And you have to create a space where people feel safe talking about the negative aspects of this. You know, the reality is that for most people, change um, immediately triggers them to what am I going to lose and what do I have to fear? And at some point, they need to be able to talk about those things, and it helps you as the manager get their perspective so that you can help them see the positives that may be more difficult for them to see, but to, as I said before, meet them where they are in that process. Um, There may be some things they're afraid of that you haven't even considered, and you need to hear those things. And let me add that when you're listening, people are going to have questions that are eminently reasonable that you don't have answers for at this point in time. So there's a lot of unknowns during any point, uh, any time of change. There's a lot of unknowns. And people are going to ask perfectly reasonable questions that at this moment in time, you just don't happen to have an answer for. And and we, we tend to think that a manager or a leader ought to be the person who has all the answers. And that's just not reality, particularly in times of change. So when somebody is asked a perfectly reasonable question and you don't happen to have an answer for that question at this point in time, don't feel defensive about it and don't feel like you're you're uh, failing. Just look at the person and say, you know what? That was a real, that's a really good question. It's a reasonable question. And right at the moment, we haven't yet answered the question. And after you say that, You need to communicate the following point, however you do it your own style. But I have confidence that we can figure this out together. We'll get the answer. I have no doubt there will be a lot of these questions that come up, and there will be a lot of these issues that have to be addressed. And one by one, we're going to knock them down like bowling pins. But I've got to tell you, I I am very confident that we're going to figure out the answers here. So you have to follow up with that thought. 
Well, and to that point, people can play a role, an active role, in figuring out some of those unknowables right now as we move into the future. And when you've been in those conversations with them, you can have a better sense for who would want to be involved where. When I I think of the different um, channels to communicate that, I often think of as we grow as global companies and, you know, you may have some people in the office every day and you may have some working from home and you may have some across, across the world and you think of the channels that need to be communicated, I think... Um, it's also a practical matter for managers to think through what are those channels and how many multiple channels do you have to make sure you hit on to ensure that everyone across the entire organization is hearing the same message you may have delivered in the office that morning. Uh, and given given modern technologies, there may be a lot of channels you have to think about, but I think it's even easier to make sure that everyone is receiving the same message. Uh, and, and again, however many channels you're using, uh, it's listening, it's receiving, it, which allows you as a manager and leader to demonstrate some empathy and be aware of what the issues are and what the concerns are so that you can give that consistent message uh, through these different channels. But as we have, I, I think it can't be repeated too frequently. You've got to make it safe for people. You've got to be willing to receive these. And you've got to be willing to understand that during times, stressful times of change, some behaviors may come out that may be less than desirable that certain people are demonstrating due to the unusual stress that they find themselves in. And and I want to encourage people uh, to cut people some slack, quite frankly, uh, and think about whether this is a typical kind of behavior for this person or if you have never seen this behavior before, it gives you the opportunity to go in there and say, gee, uh, what's going on? How you doing? I noticed that you just yelled at somebody and I've never seen you do that. Uh, what's up? And do it with the right attitude uh, and the right intent and you'll be able to help people. And after all, what this podcast is all about is making a difference in people's lives. And times of transition and times of change give you a really good platform to make that kind of difference. One of the things I appreciate most about this book is the practicality of it. Uh, you know, we've been told even by individuals that they wish it were in that workbook format where they could literally flip the page and highlight it and um, dog ear a page so that they can go to that particular lesson. And I get excited about thinking about this as an actual workbook. You know, in each chapter, there's an experiment, there's a lesson those tactical tools that you can take away with you. So, Kim, when we're talking about this particular chapter, Chapter 67, Over-Communicating During a Management Transition, what's the one key tool that we can tease people with to then go back and reference the entire book for this particular chapter? I I think it's listening. (laughs) Over-communicate. You have have to go in multiple places to to get your message. you got to get the consistent message out, and you have to listen. I love it. I love it. We're going to take a quick break from Managing to Make a Difference. We're so glad you're joining us this afternoon. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, 
We're going to move on to chapter 68. The title is Prepare for an Unknown Future. And in this world of change, that's what we're all doing. So we hope you'll join us in just a minute. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. We're glad you're joining us this afternoon. You know, uh, we have these conversations weekly and we get really excited about sharing this podcast. We also have the opportunity to share with you Larry Sternberg, one of the co-authors of this book, and um, he does a phenomenal job of going into corporations all the time and really customizing a conversation and a um, presentation around the specific needs of your organization. So if as you look to the future, as you look into heading into 2018 and you have some management challenges or opportunities that you would like to have a professional come in and address, we hope that you'll consider Larry Sternberg as one of your guest speakers. He really is phenomenal and um, and really enjoys the, the opportunity to come into organizations and um, help them move their teams forward at a great rate. So we have been talking about chapter 67 and 68 of managing to make a difference um, today. And now we're going to move on to actually chapter 68. It's entitled prepare for an unknown future. And one of the things I know, and I know you all know, as you listen 
um, is this rapid pace of technology has us all moving forward at a, a record-breaking pace. And um, we don't always know what's around the next corner, but it's really important that we have prepared our people and we have prepared ourselves for what this unknowable future is. Larry, um, we kick us off on this segment and, and just share what you think in terms of the future visioning. Yeah, it, it, the business about preparing for the unknowable future is simply this, that there are many challenges that we can anticipate for our organization. So the well-established SWOT analysis uh, you can go through and you can you can anticipate uh, many of the challenges and the threats and the opportunities that are going to be presented to your organization. However, it is it is my opinion that the biggest threats to your organization are unknowable. And when you think about uh, recent history, I'm going to give you some illustrations. A big hurricane comes through that that wasn't part of your business plan to have a big hurricane come through this year. Uh, but it did. And it did in Puerto Rico. And the effects of that big hurricane are affecting organizations, not only in Puerto Rico, but organizations who are, are closely uh, affected by what happens in Puerto Rico, to say nothing of what it's doing to the individuals there. And uh, there may be many individuals in Puerto Rico who had a career plan, and they were doing well, and they were on their plan, and whammo, uh, things just got wiped out. Uh, so uh, that's an illustration. Another illustration is um, the president just decided that he was going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And this is setting off protests. This is setting off uh, a chain of events that nobody, none of us can know. But it is quite possible that some of the events in this chain of events are going to have a significant impact on uh, certain organizations. And they didn't plan for this. This is not something that their SWOT analysis predicted. Uh, and we could go on with a number of examples, but, you know, tsunamis happen, uh, a volcano disrupts air travel. Uh, these are the kinds of events that really play significantly. A new tax plan is passed. This is going to affect all kinds of businesses. And five years ago, this wasn't in their five-year plan. And so the, the point that I am beating to death here is that the events that have the biggest impact on your business, on your organization, are probably the unknowable ones. And therefore, so what is that? And so what? What it leads to the following conclusion. Organizational agility is a fundamental requirement in modern times because you can't anticipate these events. You have to be able to respond to them quickly and effectively, and organizations that position themselves to make these kind of rapid and effective responses to these unanticipated events are the ones that are going to outcompete their competitors. Kim, what's, what's coming up for you about this? Well, I think you've encapsulated very well what we're talking about when we're talking about preparing for the unknowable future. You know, the biggest question is, okay, so it's unknowable. How the heck are you going to prepare for it, right? <laughs> 
And the answer to that is that you you have some really fundamental things that you invest in that put you in a position to be agile. And it should come as no surprise to anyone who's um, got any familiarity with us at all, Larry, that one of the things we're going to talk about that you need to invest in so that you can prepare for the unknowable future is people. Yeah, and what characteristics do you think are important when you're thinking about bringing somebody into your organization and specifically thinking about creating a workforce that uh, just naturally comes with more agility in terms of its ability to respond? What kinds of traits are you thinking about? You know, the number one thing that comes up for me is people that just have an insatiable desire to learn. Um, Those people, people who know how to learn and who want to learn and who constantly push themselves to learn are the kinds of people who are going to make you the most agile to environmental changes. And I would would also nominate uh, having a positive and optimistic uh, attitude. So in times uh, when, when something occurs in one's life or in the world, people with a positive and optimistic attitude are going to be able to deal with this more effectively than people who immediately uh, see the gloom and doom. So I think we've got, we've got two fundamental characteristics that give a person uh, a lot of the, the, the ability, the capability to really respond in a positive way to change. So they, they love to learn things, and so you've got new things to learn during a period of change, and you're positive and optimistic. Uh, what other characteristics might you think about when creating uh, a culture that has uh, the agility to respond to these sorts of changes? You know, I have to just Go ahead, Kim. The other thing that we haven't really said is people who are willing to really dig in and work hard fast. Yeah, you bet. There's there's really no substitute for hard work. And and so people who enjoy working hard, they enjoy learning, they have this positive and optimistic attitude. If you start emphasizing those when you're bringing new people into your organization – that fundamental strategy right there is going to improve the organization's capability of making rapid adjustments as things happen in the world. Kim Shirk, you were going to say something? Yeah, something that came to my mind, and it's one of my favorite interview questions. It was a question asked of me when I joined, first was interviewing to join Talent Plus, and um, and my colleague, well, our fellow moderator too, Kyle, asked, you know, um, how do you feel about ambiguity? And I thought it was such an interesting um, interview question. Uh, and uh, I processed it actually for a long time after I, la- I answered it. But I think the the ability to not know what's coming next and be okay with that and be flexible and be able to be decisive, um, knowing that new things are coming at you and that adaptability too uh, really come to my mind as um, in terms of just great qualities that people can have where they can they can see the opportunity in change. 
Um, you know, people who plant themselves in one role and never want to change are just, um, as a matter of course, I think in this economy that we're in and this fast moving pace that we're doing, they are going to be challenged by the rapid pace of change and innovation. And one of the things, you know, aside from natural disasters and things like that, that obviously you can't plan for or new tax structures is this change in technology where you don't know what the next new thing that will be invented will be. Um, But the ability to process it and um, to move forward with it and to be accepting of learning something new, I think is just really vital. And that's what comes to mind for me. You know, uh, what's coming up for me, uh, hopefully this is uh, humorous, I remember when personal computers first became commercially available. And I remember I was, I was practicing law at the time, and I remember in my law office, people were, people were discussing this, and they were saying to each other, what would I need a personal computer for? And, and somebody would say, well, you can balance your checkbook on it. There weren't very many things you could do on a personal computer when they first came out. And, and uh, there were people who raced to embrace them. And uh, thank, thank, thankfully, we all benefited from those people who raced to embrace them. But that's just, uh, I had completely uh, forgotten about that. You, you brought up that memory. What would I do with a personal computer? Why would I need a computer in my house? So um, I, I want to, before we uh, move toward our break, I want to mention one other characteristic, which is uh, being talked about in a lot of circles these days, and that is resilience. When things happen, people who have resilience power through, and it may be that resilience arises out of uh the, the characteristics we've been talking about, or it may be that resilience is its own characteristic, but I didn't want to get to the break and, and not mention that as one of the things that you should look for when you are selecting people into your organization. I think that's a great point. And as we move into break, I think that those, those characteristics um, are all characteristics back to your point, Kim Turnage, of people. Because the people that you select into your organization are the ones that are going to have to be the ones that adapt to whatever technological, um, uh, you know, natural disaster, whatever new unknowable future element comes your way. And so um, I don't think we can emphasize that enough that selecting the right people into your organization is how you move forward the very fastest. So we'll take another quick break here on Managing to Make a Difference, and we'll be right back with our last segment. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network when managers make a significant impact their teams are engaged motivated and excited they love what they do when those people work for you you get results results matter and people drive results At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. 
Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Thanks again for joining us this afternoon for Managing to Make a Difference. We've had a great conversation on Chapter 67 and 68 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference, talking about um, communication during management transition and preparing for an unknowable future. And one of the things we were just talking about is some of those characteristics within people that you really want to look for as you bring them into your organization to face that unknowable future. We were talking about resilience. So Kim Turnage, what comes to mind for you when we talk about that resilience? Well, we can talk about resilience of individuals, but I think we want to focus a little more here on the resilience of the organization as a whole. And as we were just talking about in the last segment, the kinds of people that you bring into your organization are going to have a huge impact on how resilient your organization can be. And so that's the fundamental place to start. But then there are other things that you can do within the organization that build and cultivate resilience. Um, One of them is just giving people an opportunity to learn, asking them what they want to learn more about and letting them do that. Because when you release people to do that, you're more likely to have people who are teed up to something that you didn't expect because they were interested in it and they pursued it. Another is to encourage people to give suggestions and ask people questions because when they're out there in their world that's not exactly the same as your world and you take opportunities to hear what they see and understand better what they're learning, you're positioning yourself and the organization as a whole, particularly if you let that learning be shared across teams, to keep ratcheting up our agility. You so those know, are a couple I, of cultural things you can do. I, uh, I'm reminded, I, 
I read uh, a book by a gentleman whose last name is Land, and I forget his first name, but he is the inventor of what we know as the Polaroid camera, which was called the Land camera when he invented it. And one of the ways, one of the reasons that this idea even came to him, that uh, for those for those of you who do not know what a Polaroid camera is, and there might be some young listeners who don't, before we had digital photography, uh, the Polaroid camera would take a photo and develop it in about a minute. Uh, and and so you could look at the photo right away. This was revolutionary. And the way the way uh, this guy Land, who turns out to be a genius, but the way he came up with this idea is he didn't come up with the idea. He was out with his very young daughter, and they had been doing doing some tourist type stuff. And he had been taking photographs with a regular uh, camera. And at that time, what you had to do was take your photographs and then take the uh, negatives to uh, a place that would develop them for you and they would give you back the photographs. And that, that process took days. Uh, and uh, he was just on his way into uh, where they were staying. I forget whether it was house or wherever. And his daughter was saying, when can we see the pictures? And he was saying, well, you know, uh, it, it, takes, it takes a few days. We, and she just looked at him and she said, why? And it, it, this is in his book. And... Uh, he realized, well, that's a good question. Why not create a system where you could look at your photographs pretty much immediately? And that's what spurred him on. So the point I'm making is when you encourage suggestions, you never know where a good suggestion is going to come from. It could be from somebody who's 18 years old, has never worked in a job before, and they just have a great idea like this little girl. Why? Why, why not be able to see these photographs? And, and it takes a, a manager who uh, can get his or her ego in the right place to realize that they don't have to be the fount of all the good ideas. And that's what the listening will do for you. And that's what encouraging suggestions will do for you. Kim, what's next? I love that question. Why not? You've, you've um, made me stumble and not stumble, ponder that. Um, you know, I think that's, that's where we're at as a society. We are all asking why not? And we're asking it at a faster pace than we ever have before. And that's where that agility, that ability to move forward, that, um, Ability to see the positivity and the opportunity rather than the challenge of what comes next really is going to be developing the workforces of the future, I think. Kim, when you've worked with corporations and you've worked with management teams, you know, in your career as you've, as you've uh, worked with them and helped them move forward as organizations, what is the biggest challenge to that? What is the biggest success story that comes to your mind in terms of an organization really embracing that change and bringing their teams along with them? Well, sometimes I think, I'm going to stick on the biggest challenge. I think the biggest challenge is the way things are right now. Because people, it's so easy to get stuck in the way we've always done things. And I happen to be one of those people for whom that phrase is a pet peeve. <laughs> oh, we've always done it that way. Well, why? <laughs> um, and, and so I do think that's one of the greatest challenges that organizations and leaders have to overcome is their predisposition to doing things a certain way because that's how they know how to do it. And that doesn't mean it's the best way. 
And so I think that the biggest thing that organizations can do that, that drives success is to have a hunger for novelty and to have an ethic that says experimentation matters. Experimentation is good. And we know that when we experiment, we're going to fail a lot. But that's okay, because when we experiment, we're also sometimes going to find something amazing that we could never have found any other way. Yeah. How many filaments did Edison try before he found the one that worked? It was thousands, right? I think you're right about that. Yeah, I'd have to go back and, uh, well, we'll use the newest, not the newest invention. <laughs> we'll, we'll Google it, right, and find out. But yeah, I think I, you're exactly right. You have to be prepared to fail, and you have to be prepared to have the resilience to keep trying to move forward. Yeah, that's the nature of experimentation. Uh, and there's, there's one other thing I'd like to emphasize. You know, we've been talking about listening uh, in in terms of the unknowable events and agility, stay close to your customers. Listen to your customers. Listen to what their frustrations are, not only with your services and products, but just in general about being successful themselves in their own endeavors. Listen to what your clients' needs are. Listen to what is challenging for them. And then think about, given the services and products that you provide, what is it that you could provide to them that they would see as having value? The closer you stay to your customers, the 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 better you will be at thinking about things that really will work and doing experiments in the right areas. So apply your listening to your customers and, and get better at systematically listening to your customers. That will also improve your organizational uh, agility. Well, and to add on to that, when you're asking them what really works and what they couldn't live without about what you do, that also helps you understand what you should avoid changing. Yes, absolutely. As we head into this holiday season, one of the things that dawns on me is the, the gift that this book is to managers. And I think for anyone that's a senior leader or in a management position themselves that either wants to develop themselves or look at their teams and really give them some practical ways to continue to exceed the expectations of that management role, I really hope you consider purchasing this book, Managing to Make a Difference. You can do it uh, by visiting managetomakeadifference.com, our website. You can go to ceoread.com if you want to do bulk orders for your entire management team or go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and pick up a local copy too. So as we wrap up this episode, we want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that all of the things that we address on this podcast are practical and helpful to you in your every day and we'll look forward to talking to you again. Till then, have a great day and manage to make a difference with your own teams. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.